Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. I want you, if you will, this morning, I'm just going to leave you with something that I feel in my heart. And um, I ask the Lord to just touch this old story afresh to our lives again today. The book of Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 1. This is where the children of Israel are being led into uh, the promised land. They are crossing Jordan. It is a similar story to the crossing of the Red Sea. God's people find themselves many times in similar situations. And I think from the beginning of time until now, we have perhaps none of us stood at a literal body of water, whether it was the Red Sea or Jordan River. But I, I do believe that from time to time, all of us have stood at situations that seemed uncrossable. Amen. And yet we felt the hand of the Lord and the voice of the Lord saying, just move forward. I think God requires more and more of each following generation to those who were standing at the Red Sea. The Lord said to their leader, just take the staff that's in your hand, stretch it across those waters and an east wind began to blow. The next time we see this replicated miracle, the Lord kind of turned the heat up a little bit. This is not just about holding out a rod or a staff and the wind beginning to blow and separating things. But he said, just step out into this overflowing bank. And the scripture says that as soon as the sole of the feet of the priest touched the water, the water abated. And so here we find now the, the uh, commandment of the Lord in chapter 4 and verse number 1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean past over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua saying, take you 12 men out of the people out of every tribe of man and command you them saying take you hence out of the midst of Jordan out of the place where the priest feet stood firm twelve stones and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night and Joshua said unto them pass over before the ark of the Lord your God unto the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come saying what mean ye by these stones verse number seven then ye shall answer them that, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over Jordan and the waters of Jordan were cut off and the stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Amen. The Bible says in verse latter portion of verse six, the beginning portion of verse seven, 
the latter portion of verse 6, the children are going to ask, what mean ye by these stones? And ye shall answer them. Amen. And ye shall answer them. When one generation asks, I believe the, the question of the hour that should be branded upon our souls today is that when one generation asks, will we have an answer? Will we know what to say? Will there be a clear and concise testimony of what God has done in our lives? As a child, I have talked about this many times, but as a, as a child, and I really, I, I guess to say as a child would not be a fair preface to what I'm going to say. I don't think it's ever left me. But as a child, I always enjoyed hearing elders talk. I enjoyed hearing the stories. My um, mother and dad were just one of the families, but we were one of the families that would often house our guest speakers. And uh, it was before the days of motels being convenient and things of that nature, and so they would stay in our home. And so as a little boy, I can remember many, many uh, of our guest speakers that were there with us and to hear them sit at our dining table and to share stories of what God had done or was doing in their life and ministry was always intriguing to me. I've never gotten over that. I hope not to sound like a busybody or someone who's nosy, but I was just intrigued by that, always to hear the stories of what God had done in times past. We have scriptural accounts, of course, of what the Lord has done, but I'm talking about more in that era, more modern stories of what the Lord was doing in their life and in their ministry. Um, I'll say this in the absence of our young people. I'm not proud uh, to talk about this measure of rebellion in my heart, but there were times that when my mom and dad would send me to bed, I would crawl back down the hallway. And uh, the way our house was laid out, uh, you could crawl back down the hallway, and if you sat right at the end of the hallway, you could be, you could hear and not be seen. And uh, I would, I would just sit there in the hallway, not intending to be rebellious, but I was just so interested. And I find that that interest has never gone away. I sat this week in a room full of elders, and I'm very, very thankful for that. But I, I was not inclined to do the talking. I was more inclined to do the listening because there's just so much to be said and so much to be given, amen. So I asked myself uh, late last night and early this morning as I began to consider this age-old story of Joshua 4. The Bible says that these stones and these monuments and certainly to this Bible class today, this is a very, very familiar story, a monument that would stand the test of time and it would stand through ages long. But this monument was not about, of course, the people that were crossing this Jordan River. They crossed it. They had the wet shoes to prove it. It was there in their heart, their lives, in, in, uh, blazoned in their memory and their mind bank forever. They would never live long enough under normal circumstances to ever forget this moment. But he said, I want you to build a monument. And when you build that monument, when... Your children ask, what meaneth these stones? Then ye shall answer them.
I was determined as a, a young man, as much as I enjoyed the stories that I heard as a young man, as many preachers and revivals and camp meetings as we attended as a young man, as a, my mom and dad were a part of those meetings, as many of those meetings as we attended and I could tell a lot of stories or a lot of truths perhaps would be a more accurate way to say that. Could tell a lot of stories that were shared with us and shared with not just in a private setting but in corporate settings and collective settings of uh, camp meetings and conferences and, and various things of how the spirit of the Lord would begin to move. Something in my heart became determined to not just share somebody else's stories, but I wanted to have some stories of my own. And I hope that makes sense. Not just stories of my own stories for the sake of folklore or stories for the sake of just telling a story, but I understood early on, I think, that in order to have a story, you're gonna to have to have an experience. And so it wasn't the story that I was after as much as it was the experience that I was after. And and that experiences, those experiences come when we decide that we are going to, uh, we are going to lengthen the cord that somehow keeps our own personal boat to the dock. And we are going to experience a few things for ourselves. I, um, I, I think there's perhaps a, a good route many times in order to learn certain lessons in our lives. I think there is a route, if we are wanting to learn certain things about in academia, there is a route that we can follow, and that route will help us reach a a desired end. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, we just recently came through our graduation season, and uh, we had graduates here, but also, of course, in our community and uh, various other churches, we see this moment of accomplishment. I uh, wanted to accomplish something as a young man. I wanted to learn how to swim. I made that confession to a just a little bit older cousin of mine uh, who could swim like a fish. I wanted to learn how to swim. And uh, he thought apparently there wouldn't be no problem. And so we went out and uh, to a pond that was in a citrus grove that was across the road from their church. And as we got up to that pond, I was standing there, and he just picked me up and threw me in, and it was sink or swim, and I survived, so it's a cute story. But when I think about that our parents didn't even know where we were, we were just meandering out in the citrus grove, we came up on a pond. I made the foolhardy statement of like, I sure would like to learn how to swim. He took it upon himself to thrust me in. I have a story to tell. That's not a good way to tell the story or a good way to get the story. But I'm thankful today that not all of life's lessons are brought to us via that kind of vehicle. I do know that God, I believe at times I have I have been overheard by heaven uttering such desires to say I would sure like to, and before I can finish the sentence, I feel like the Lord did what my cousin did and just picked me up and threw me in. But I walked away with a story. 
And then there have been other times that the Lord gently took me by the hand and he led me through some things. He led me through some things that were more serious than just lobbing off a cliff, more serious than just stepping into something, but the Lord said, I'm gonna need to hold your hand through this one. Because from time to time, you're going to need to feel my ever presence. You're going to need to experience that. And so it's the, 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 the ultimate question that I pose today is not whether or not another generation will ask us questions. The real question is will we have an answer? It's not whether or not a generation, but children, another generation, and so we speak of generations and we think about children, we sometimes think about that in literal terms and there's really nothing wrong with that. But I also want to broaden our thinking just a little bit today to not just think about little ones, literally, but I would ask us to think about little, little ones spiritually as well. And as long as you have children, you will never be without questions to answer. <laughs> and sometimes I don't remember the age. I can't really believe I don't remember the age, but... Uh, uh, there is a little window of certain ages of children where they are just they are just question factories you you can't even get one question answered before they are already posing the next question and maybe all children are not that way but most children are they are very inquisitive and they're asking all sorts of questions i was asked one time do worms yawn who thinks of stuff like that? Who thinks of things like that? I, I had to pause. I don't. I, ultimately, I have not traced that out yet. I don't have the answer to that. Do worms yawn? I have to tell you the reason that I don't. The primary reason I don't have an answer for that because that was about question ninety-nine, and so by the time I got to that point, I could barely think. But. Nevertheless, it's not a matter of whether or not another generation are going to ask questions. The real question for the church today is, will we have the answer? Will we have the answer? And so I pray today that we would not be just content to have, uh, to have uh, somebody else's history book of what God has done for them in their lives. But I pray that somewhere we are building monuments in our life that we can hear not only the stories of someone else, but that we can pray and ask God to help me to have my own stories and then give me the ability to be able to share those stories. I, I think I am very confident that you see where I am going with this. I'm not talking about stories for the sake of stories or the stories for the sake of a storytelling hour, but I'm talking about someone in a time of absolute despair in their life when they need an answer, they need to find someone that has, when they have a question, they need to find somebody that has an answer, that we have walked through that valley or a similar valley and that we would share our testimony of what God has done in our lives. The scripture tells us that there are two things, two key things that help us to be overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and we overcome by the word of our testimony. And so I know we understand the blood of the lamb 
and we would never discount the blood of the lamb. We would never put the blood of the lamb on a markdown shelf in our mind, in our heart, or in our life. But some of the things that we do discount are the things that God has done in our life. When you begin to think about where the Lord has brought us from and what he has done in our life, when you think about the many, many times that God has just sent someone to our side at that particular moment that we needed that word or we needed that assurance, we needed that affirmation. I'm not talking about because we were weak and frail, but we were battle-worn and we needed the spirit of God to touch us. And so the Lord said to Joshua, don't let this be an experience that's lost. It won't ever be lost to you, but don't let this be an experience that's lost to another generation. We think about many times, of course, at the first of the year, we many times focus on our times of communion and things of that nature. And I have often said and perhaps annually say that Communion is about remembering. It's about remembering. And so the Lord must have been concerned that we would forget because he said, as often as you do this, remember. And so we can, uh, we can forget. In recent times, my wife and I have been, in recent weeks, we have been talking about a few things uh, in our life, in our earlier marriage and um, early in our earlier in our marriage and things of that nature and and uh, she reached a conclusion, and actually we both reached a conclusion about the same time, that there are just simply some things we have forgotten. And even when somebody comes along and sort of prods your memory, still can't bring it up. Don't you remember? You remember where we were? We're trying to paint in all the colors and Sometimes those things come back and sometimes it's sad. They're forever lost. It's kind of mystifying, isn't it? To think that it would be forever lost. So he said, we need to do something that another generation would not forget this. Don't forget it. I found myself that if I write something down, I am far more apt to remember it than if I just hear it. There's something about the writing it out, typing it out, or whatever. And so I want to do something. And so the Lord said to the children of Israel, do something that will help you remember, and it will also serve as a monument to help others remember. Because they're going to ask. That's not the, that's not the thing on the table today. They will ask. The question is, will we have an answer? I want to have an answer. I want to be able to assure not only myself, but a generation behind me that the spirit of almighty God is moving in this land today. I'm gonna ask our musicians to come and while they're on their way, I'll give you an example. I was privileged several years ago to sit in a um, sort of a closed session meeting. Brother James Kilgore, I believe at that time was 82 years old was invited to a meeting. There were just 10 of us in the room. I felt incredibly honored to be there, not only to meet him, what a hero of the faith in the world of Pentecost. And so it was an open subject. It was an open floor. Brother Kilgore, at the request of the pastor who had invited him, had given him complete 
liberty to do whatever he wanted to do and to talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. And so without an outline to follow, he just, for the most part, for those several hours that we sat there, talked about his parents and their ministry. I'm not sure if there was something that served as a catalyst to cause him to be as reflective as he was that day upon their life and ministry, but as he began to share story after story after story, I was writing as fast as I could, but one of them I've never been able to get away from. His mom and dad were preaching a revival, and behind the tent where they were holding the revival, there was a pond. There were several people that were wanting to be baptized, and so they had set a day where they were going to baptize them, and when they understood those local towns, people understood that Brother Kilgore intended to baptize all of those people in the pond that was behind the tent. They were warned that that pond was full of poisonous snakes. That may not be the best idea. And so Brother Kilgore that was telling, Brother James Kilgore that was telling the story was just a young boy. And he said, I watched my mom and dad. And he said, we, they gathered all the people around that pond and began to pray. And he said, then he spoke to the people on the other side of the pond and asked them to make an opening. And when they prayed, they prayed for God to purify that pond, if you please. I'm not sure the words, of course. They said in an instant of time that poisonous snakes started leaving that pond. And they went right out through the opening that those people had made. And many, many years later, it was reported that never had there been another snake of any sort ever found in that pond. They're going to ask, will we have an answer? I believe the same God of then is the same God of now. And apparently that generation that was standing around that pond believed the same God of that day was the same God of Gadara when he cast the serpents, when he cast the, in, the, the legion of devils into the swine. Amen. I'm telling you today not to... Uh, not to to be, to uh, to leave anybody with the wrong impression of anything that I want the spirit of the Lord to move in my life. Amen. I want to have us to have stories of our own because it is not whether or not they will ask. The question is, will we have an answer? Have we just fished around the edges of this our whole life and never really had an experience ourselves, Or have we walked through Jordan's River and we carried out the other side something substantial enough that will stand the test of time. If there was ever a moment, if there was ever a time in history for the church to stop gazing, if we are, over the fence of, uh, of yesterday outside and start gazing inside, it is the hour that we're living in. Let's resist the temptation to be distracted. Amen, and let's focus ourselves on what the Spirit of God would have for us in this day. Let's stand together. Amen, I love the Lord, don't you? Praise God. I know that sounds like a loaded question, but I love the Lord. 
I love his work and I love his will and I want to find and follow that with every fiber of my soul. Let's magnify the Lord together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.